always a lot of fun to visit with Norman Julius Esiason. Yes, none other than Boomer Esiason, the best in the business. I mean, this guy, he's entertainment. And uh, he was kind enough to join us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. And he had a lot to say about Jake Browning, about the Cincinnati Bengals offense, about the uh, two-game winning streak they're on, scoring 34 points in each one, about the upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, uh, it's very, very interesting to hear a guy as accomplished as Boomer Sison talking about what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals, Jake Browning, the coaching staff, what they're doing to assist and enable the success of Jake Browning. Very, very good stuff. And so well said because Boomer Siasen is so entertaining. I hope you have as much fun checking this out as I did catching up with Boomer. Well, did you make a great decision today? Because joining us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, coming to you from our outstanding studios at all, as always, is a guy that I used to call the blonde bombshell, Boomer Esiason himself, the legend. Boomer, you are the man. What, what Appreciate you joining us. Dave, I love being in the trenches with you. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, I never really have ever experienced anything like it. And uh, every time I join you in the trenches, I come away a smarter man. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, Ben, the guys that played with you in the trenches would yeah. go through hell in a gasoline suit. I am. Your offensive linemen, they, they not only respected you and – but they loved you, man. They loved you. Yeah. No question. Well, there's, there's certainly a connection there. And I think that had a lot to do with my high school football coach, who was a all-American offensive lineman at the uh, Purdue University. His quarterback was Bob Greasy. So oh. when he became my high school coach, he taught me all about that relationship and how important it was. And I never forgot it. And he taught me the offensive lineman's prayer. Uh, we work the hardest. We're known the least, but who cares for we are the reason. Now that was back when everybody was making about five hundred thousand. Now, if you told me Orlando Brown was praying and he's making twenty million dollars, I'd say forget that. I don't want to hear that anymore. But uh, a different world we live in, Dave. But uh, certainly, uh, it's been. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a better world, especially in the NFL and for the NFL football player. No question, Boomer. Let's talk quarterback position in general. I mean, thirteen games into the NFL season, I think it's up to forty-eight quarterbacks have started a football game. Seven quarterbacks are unable to complete the season, Joe Burrow being one of them. There's there's really nothing you can do. I mean, it's a it's a violent game. It's a grown man's game, right? It really is. And uh, it's unfortunate that we've lost as many as we have this year, you know, starting with Aaron Rodgers yeah. on Monday night football, uh, you know, of course, against the Bills. He only played four plays for the Jets. But, you know, we need our stars out there. We need the Joe Burrows of the world and uh, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. and Kirk Cousins and, you know, people like that who, you know, are household names. That's what people want to see. That's why they buy the tickets. That's why they buy the jerseys. You know, when I was back there for that Monday night game against the Rams and I was, you know, fortunate enough to be put up in the ring of honor, 
I, it was the first time I was back with Joe Burrow being the quarterback, right. and that was a whiteout night, and I just could not believe what I was witnessing at Paul Brown Stadium. It's It really goes to show you what these quarterbacks bring to their franchises and, and why they pay them so much money because they're the ones that excite the city. And there's no question that guys like Patrick Mahomes and, of course, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and Joe and Josh Allen, I can go on and on and on, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, they're worth every penny because they're the ones that really raise the level of the franchise. So it's unfortunate when we lose those guys. But, you know, we also have the stories like Jake Browning. We have guys like Tommy DeVito here in New York, which is crazy. Right. And it all started with Tyson Bajan, believe it or not, when Justin Fields went down uh, in Chicago in the middle of the season. This unheralded, uh, undrafted rookie free agent out of a very small school got a chance to play in an NFL game. And he won it. I think he won a game or two and it looked like he actually belonged. So, it, I mean, so there's a good and a bad. I mean, we miss our stars, but we certainly love the stories that we're witnessing in Cincinnati right now. No doubt. Let's talk about uh, Jake Browning a little bit, Boomer. I mean, this guy, man, three games, three starts. Uh, he's got a, he's completed 79.3% of his passes, quarterback rating of 113.4, the best since 1950 i mean it, it's it's crazy the the last two starts 68 points 34 in each game like averaging over like 430 yards i i'm i mean dare i say it's joe burrowish i mean it, it's crazy what he's doing yeah it's great i think coach callahan has done a great job with him you know i was watching a couple of his uh post-game pressers and you know, they were asking him what was different between, you know, the last two games and the Pittsburgh game. And you and I both know this. And when he was talking about this, I could go back 35 years and say I was saying the same thing. When you're playing the Pittsburgh 34 defense, it creates a lot of problems in terms of pass protection. And when you go into their games and you go in there with five or six man pass protections, you're always looking around to see who's in the pass rush and where the blitz is coming from and whether or not you got to throw it hot. And I don't think he really played with a really clean mind that particular game. But then Callahan and, and Zach Taylor kind of pared back the, the game plan, made it a little bit simpler for him in terms of pass protections. In other words, you still got to have the guts standing in there. But you'd also like to know in the back of your mind that you know who everybody is supposed to be blocking and you don't have that worry about to be, you don't have to worry about being clouded. Right. So I, I think what they've done the last two weeks is that they've, played to his strengths he's a smart kid he's an older kid he's mature um he played 54 games in college and i think i've told you before you know i played i was in college for five years you know i didn't play my first two years and i played my final three years you know that's valuable experience and that's where a young man gets to grow and mature both physically and mentally i don't necessarily know that i was that mature when i first got there in cincinnati but uh, he's had a chance now to sit around on a couple of franchises, watch uh, one of the great players uh, of his era in Joe Burrow, and now uh, all he has to do is mimic that. And by mimicking that, I mean by showing the poise that Joe Burrow has in the field. And, and good for Jake that the last two games, over 30 points, I mean, nobody saw this coming. I mean, right. nobody saw this coming. Maybe maybe the guys in the locker room did, maybe Jake did, because he's obviously very um, confident in himself. Maybe the coaches did once they paired back the pass protections have made it a little bit simpler for a guy who hadn't been in the pocket for a long time. Uh, but I can't, I can't disagree with when, what you said about, you know, what he's done and his completion percentage has been phenomenal. It's been crazy. You know, I, I think there's some similarities. Every quarterback that has success, you know, before they know, before 
teammates know what you can do on the field, they have to have a belief and trust in you. And you, you had that. I mean, you, you just, you're a tremendous people person and you just, I mean, people just believed in Boomer Esiason. Jake Browning's got, got some of that, you know, I mean, here's an example. Uh, the Bengals defensive backfield, uh, they meet on their own on Tuesdays, you know, and they, they, they get a jump on seeing tendencies and tells and all that sort of thing, studying the opponent's tape. So Jake Browning's like, Hey guys, uh, Mind if I show up at this meeting with you, you know, get a quarterback's perspective on what's going on? I mean, it's extra. It's a day off, you know. It's not It's not any kind of mandatory thing. He volunteers himself, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, this route combination, not even think about over here. You know, it's this is what they're trying to get done. And that just trying to make yourself more valuable to your teammates. So everybody believed in and loved the guy before he even took that first snap. Now his level of play – is like, wow, now it's cementing everything that they thought about him, you know? You know, maybe he's the next Zach Taylor or Kevin O'Connell, for God's sake. I mean, you know, here's a guy that, you know, loves ball, loves uh, sitting in defensive back meeting rooms. I I, I would hate that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, but I understand what he's doing. I mean, you know, quite frankly, he has an opportunity of a lifetime right now. Yeah. And he really is making the most of it. I mean, people are taking notice. I mean, I don't I'm, – I'm assuming that he'll stay in Cincinnati next year. I don't know what his contract situation is. But the better he plays, the more likely he is to get another contract. And then the next contract is going to be much bigger than the one that he's currently sitting on because nobody really knew that much about him. And I'm sure that Joe Burrow's in his corner every step of the way, too. That's the other great thing. You know, yeah. he's watched Joe Burrow now over the last two year, three years. And just think about that for a second. Just think about learning from Joe and watching Joe do what he does and 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 how he carries himself. And then what I heard that Joe gave his box to, uh, you know, the – the family of Jake Browning, that that just goes to show you the type of person that Joe Burrow is. And, you know, I think that's kind of the culture that Zach Zach, uh, Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo and, and these coaches are developing and have developed in that locker room. So, you know, all that stuff is great. I mean, I wish they would have won earlier in the year. I mean, that's really what's coming back to bite them in the butt right now. Right. And when you think right. about the two games that they had against San Francisco and Buffalo, I mean, they were the number one team in the league at that moment. They were flying high. And then they lost that home game to Houston, and that was the killer game because then they lost the game to the Titans in there somewhere. I mean, those AFC losses are going to come back and haunt the Bengals, even if they go ten and six, which is not going to be easy for them because they still have to have you know they still have Cleveland, they still have uh, they still have Kansas City, they still have Pittsburgh, and then of course Minnesota on Saturday. So it's not right. going to be easy, but the story of Jake Browning right now is the story of the Bengals season, if you ask me. I t- totally agree. You know, you look at it, you made, you made a good point about, you know, um, Zach and, and, and Brian Callahan. And in, in my mind, it's like, all right, teams around the league, the Bengals lose their franchise quarterback, Joe Burrow. What happens? Oh boy, Jake Browning. Oh, they, they must, they must be able to not only uh, have a system there indoctrinate it with another guy. So Zach cements his position as head coach play caller, but Brian Callahan Got interviewed last year for head coaching position. I'm this is doing nothing but increasing his value. Dan Pitcher, the quarterback coach, he got interviewed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for an offensive coordinator. It's going to enhance him. I mean, these guys that are these coaches that are molding and helping, you know, Jake Browning be the best version of himself he can possibly be. It's helping everybody, isn't it? Well, yeah, of course it is. And it goes back, I think it goes back to the Washington Redskins when big Mike Shanahan had Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel and all these guys on that staff. And then all of a sudden, 
Sean gets his shot out in uh, the Rams, goes to the Super Bowl, and then the next thing you know, two of the guys off of that staff, Zach Taylor and Kevin O'Connell, both get jobs, and both are uh, immediately well. I, uh, Zach wasn't because uh, you know Joe obviously was a rookie, and then he ended up getting hurt. But once Joe finally established himself, right. you know they go all, all, all to the Super Bowl, and Kevin O'Connell's with the Minnesota Vikings. Actually had a winning record last year, had a great year last year, didn't have a great defense, but finally fixed the defense, and of course. Kirk Cousins gets hurt, and then they got to play this week with their fourth quarterback. I mean, it's, it's nuts what's going on. But the one thing I will say, Dave, these young coaches, and Brian Callahan being one of those guys, I mean, you know, they're all going to get opportunities. And it's all based on the success of where they're coming from. Just like Bruce Coslett, when he had success with Sam Weish and me and Turk Schonert and Chris Collinsworth and Tim McGee and Eddie Brown and Anthony and Max and Joe and Bruce and Pete and everybody else, uh, you know, Bruce, Bruce got his job in, yep. in New York because of that. So it's kind of the same thing, and that's the way the NFL works. So when you watch Jake Browning play the quarterback position, what, what strikes you first and foremost, Boomer? What, what do you like about his game? Well, it's, it's his poise, you know, and uh, listening to him talk about the adjustments when it came to pass protections, especially against the 34 defense and Pittsburgh and then understanding what they did for the next two games. Plus they played four man fronts, I believe the last two games. So right. a little bit easier. You and I know this, we're into the weeds now, but we right, understand right. it's a little bit easier to understand four man fronts as opposed to 34 fronts where there's all these, especially when you have dynamic pass rushers on the edge uh, like TJ Watt. So I, I would just say I, his understanding of the game is there. We see it. Um, he's got an enormous amount of confidence and you could see that in some of the throws that he made especially late in these last couple of games, on third down. I mean, like, you know, he's expecting to do this. This is not foreign to him. And I think a lot of that has to do with 54 games in college at the University of Washington, playing at a very high level, having all the expectations dropped at his feet, and now he's making the most of an opportunity. So I, I think the poise is there. The arm strength certainly is there. The athleticism is there. I'm not saying that he's Joe Burrow by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's trying to emulate the guy that he ultimately now is replacing. You know, to me, um, and you were great at it, you threw the ball on the run really well. I mean, accurately, really well. He does too. I'm, he is, Jake Browning on the move is very good throwing the football. In fact, the very first snap that he had when he had to go into the Baltimore game with Joe's injury, you know, first thing Zach does, naked, get him out of pocket, let yeah. him throw 15 yards down the football field. You know, get us get him settled in. I mean, I th I thought that was brilliant. What does that take? I mean, is that is that something that can be developed? Do you have a natural feel for it? Thrown on the move like that, what's that about? Well, I think he's just a natural athlete. You know, Joe Burrow's a natural athlete. Um, a lot of the quarterbacks in this league have all played other sports, have all done other things. You know, Joe, of course, uh, he was a great basketball player, and I knew he was going to be a great football player because you know, as a point guard in basketball, if you're Mister Ohio you obviously have something special within right. you, um, especially if you're distributing the ball. The same thing as a quarterback. I'm, I'm not so sure about Jake's background as much, but I'm sure he was a great athlete and did other things. I mean, I played other sports in high school, and I could take uh, what I did in those sports and attribute uh, and, and attach those to the way that I would play quarterback. And I think that's probably what Jake is doing. You know, it's uh, we're seeing a lot of this around the league. I mean, we're seeing a lot of older guys that have been around two, three, four years and we all kind of like in the media say, who's that guy? Where did he come from? Why is he here? And then, you know, when they, if they're in the right spot and they got good players around them, 
like, you know, T. Higgins comes back into the lineup. Now, all of a sudden, you have your full complement of wide receivers. You got your tight ends. You got your running backs. You got all different aspects that you can utilize to take some of the pressure off of him. Now, if you were playing for some of these other teams, like the New York Giants, I don't necessarily know that he would be this good. But he's been around this group. This group is a really good skill group. Their offensive line, I thought, has done a hell of a job the last two games pass blocking. Yep. And he's gotten himself out of trouble. There's no question about that. But, again, I go back to Callahan and Taylor, the play calling, the play designs, getting getting him more comfortable to be able to be the player that he was at Washington and not have this thing overwhelm him. And hopefully that's going to be the case come Saturday against Minnesota. 42 consecutive games the Bengals uh, had uh, had given up a quarterback sack. No, None last week, though. They – they they have they pitched shutout in last week's football game, getting that victory against the Indianapolis Colts. And, and you make a great point. The protection's been good. I mean, he was sacked once, maybe a couple of times. And and I think a lot of it is, and you you, you were a big believer in this, the running game. And, and this week's opponent, Brian Flores with Minnesota. There's not a there's not a pressure package or a coverage known to man that he won't <laughs> run. I mean, yeah. they're the number one blitz team in the NFL. And they're the number one team dropping eight in the NFL. So he'll go north and south pole and everything in between. You got to run them out of some of that stuff, don't you? You got to pound them. In yeah, what, what, 100%. You got to run them out of it. You know, they also have one of the premier pass rushers in football, Daniel Hunter. So he's going to be a pain in the neck. And the one thing that I will say in watching the last two games, um, and even Jake alluded to it, is this, you know, six and seven man protections. Yep. And those six and seven man protections, like I said, leave him at ease he doesn't have to worry about so much and he could just really worry about his reads down the field right but what it also does <laughs> it, it tells the other defense like so brian flores is going to see these now he's got three games of tape on jake and maybe a little bit more than that but he'll look at this and he'll say okay now i know what they're doing to protect him and if they're going to do this to protect him then we can do this on our side so this is the film study that goes on each and every week by the different coaching staffs and it was interesting here in New York, we have Tommy DeVito that is, you know, lighting New York City on fire. They've won three games in a row. They beat the uh, Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football. Right. And I was saying this week, they have to go on the road to New Orleans. And I was saying this week here in New York that he's going to learn just how difficult the NFL really is. Because now there's three games of tape of him on, on, on film. So now other teams can game plan against some of the things that he naturally does when he breaks the pocket. And I think the same thing for Jake. And they'll find out how difficult it is to continue to do this week in and week out. It's a nice story, but, you know, it ends the moment that you win that next game, you turn your attention to the next defense, which I'm sure he's been doing all week long. So, Boomer, what's it, what's it do for a quarterback when your first screen pass you call goes for a 54-yard touchdown, the next one, that one went to, to Brown, the next one to Joe Mixon goes for 45 and, and and then you get another one back to Brown for 25. I mean, you, you got like 120-plus yards of, of screen, and you don't have zero air yards. I mean, he threw That's for – That's okay. That's okay. But, you know, you here's the thing as a quarterback. Everybody say no air yards, no air yards. But you right. know what? Somebody has got to stand in there, know that they're running a screen, know right. that their offensive linemen are going to let their guys go. He's got to bait people to him. And he's got to have the poise to know where he's going with the ball without showing the defense where he's going with the ball. Right. It's a lot to think about. And, you know, anybody who says, ah, he's not throwing the ball down the field, all right, you go back there and stand there and go try to throw one of those green passes with these animals coming at you. Great then you tell point. me how, uh, you know, how hard it is or how easy it is. 
So there's a lot of things that go on playing quarterback. It's not just throwing the ball 25 yards down the field. You got to manipulate the offense. You got to get the players in and out. You can't be, you know, breaking timeouts. You can't be having your guys, you know, false starting and holding because they're unsure about what you're doing. So you got to bring confidence to that huddle. And that's probably the, the really surprising thing out of some of these young guys that have come into the league and have had to play now under duress and, and, and real circumstances that Jake really excels at. It sounds like he's got a handle on this offense. He's very confident about it. And everybody in that huddle knows that he's the man now. And that's with Joe Burrow in the building, for God's sake. I, I can't even imagine how difficult this must be for Jake, but how much he must be enjoying it. You know, you made a, a great point, Boomer, about, uh, you know, massaging the offense to the player a little bit. And he came comes into the game against the Ravens, you know, totally unexpectedly. And the coach was like, you know, what did you like about the game plan that we can, you know, make sure we get to for you? He goes, look. I know the offense. I've been here for three years. Just call the game. Don't, yeah, don't worry about me. Just call the game. I know what I'm doing. I've You trust me. I've been around for a while. I, I get it. I've been here through all the evolution of this offense. Just call it. Just call it. But then, now they've gotten to, like you're saying, okay, boy, I really didn't like this as much as I thought when I'm out there. Let's let's stay away from this and go to this. And now they're, they're running the football. They're running the screen game. Um, you know, they have them under center. They have two tight ends. They're they're running bootlegs. They're running nakeds. They're, they're doing a, they're doing a bunch of stuff, and and it's all it's all looking good. Boy, they got they have a big inventory. It's it, it's looking really good. Well, I, and then that's certainly confidence for the coaches. But again, they're going to pare down some of the uh, the pass protections. You know that, and I know that. And yep. you know the best offense in the league to watch, in my humble estimation, is the San Francisco 49ers. And you know it is a version of the West Coast offense. Uh, everybody puts their little spin on it. Different playmakers can do different things. Uh, Andy Reid has a, a way of doing it. Kevin O'Connell has a way of doing it. Sean McKay has a, uh, McVay has a way of doing it. Um, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan is a, a brilliant play designer, uh, play caller. And, you know, his quarterback, Brock Purdy, spends a lot of time under center. It's not always shotgun. And there is a lot of play action. There's a lot of boot. There's a lot of guys getting wide open, but somebody has to deliver the ball. And Brock is certainly locked into their offense, kind of like it seems like Jake is locked into the Bengal offense. So now it's up for the play designer and up for the play caller to not put Jake in really tough situations. Now, if they get behind in the fourth quarter, then, you know, it's Katie by the door, everything out the window, and you got to do what you think is in your best interest to cut, try to score uh, points as quickly as possible. But if you're in a tight game, you want to make sure that you are designing plays, calling plays, that it is going to get the best out of your quarterback, especially in high stressful situations, which is exactly what the Bengals have done the last two weeks, learning from that first foray and that little folly that you would call the Pittsburgh Steelers and dealing with that 3-4 defense. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I think uh, this going up against this Minnesota Viking defense again with Brian Flores, it's like, all right, well, as an offensive line, I remember when facing defenses, they had all these pressure packages Tiger Johnson would say, "All right, men, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pare it down to these handful of of, uh, of protections. We're gonna make they're applicable, and we can use them against a bunch of different looks. You know, we're gonna we're gonna instead of having all of this, have you guys worry about a whole bunch of things. We're apply rules, have a very few protections that handle a bunch of things. That's gonna be a big key, I think, in this game. Yeah, without question." Um... 
You know, the other thing too is, you know, there's a ripple effect when you do things like this. So if we're going to go six, seven man protection, we're going to keep it simple for the quarterback and the offensive line. That means the wide receivers and the running backs have got to be competing their asses off. They got to win. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, whether it be Bruce Coslett or Sam Weiss standing up in front of our team saying, okay, guys, it's, it's uh, Cleveland Brown week. The wide receivers are going to have to win. So we would go out to practice and the defense, the look defense would have 13 guys on it. It would be two extra linebackers on the field and they would be bump and run on the wide receivers when the ball was snapped and it was up to the wide receiver to get away from them if they could in practice. And if they could do it in practice, there was no way they were going to get away from him for Dixon and Frank Minifield, uh, you know, back uh, when we were playing them. So that's kind of like what's going on now. So now the skill players around Jake Browning have got to ramp up their game. And I think they have, I, you know, Joe Mixon, there was, a, I forget, I think it was in Jacksonville. I, I think it was the Jacksonville game. I mean, he took a ball uh, from three yards out and ran over somebody and was about an inch off the ground and was not going to be denied that touchdown. Right. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that supports a young quarterback. And I think the players, you know, realize that they put themselves in a bad situation, you know, at this point in the season with four games to go. And I kind of feel like they're all trying to make up for some of the, the losses that they had early in the year by ramping up their game as well. So from T. Higgins to Jamar Chase to Joe Mixon, I mean, and everybody else in between, I feel like that's what everybody's doing right now. You know, I'm thinking, um, remember Wink Martindale, obviously, he was in New York for, for a bit, obviously. When he was still with, here, actually yeah. still here. Is he still there? Okay, when he was with the yeah. Ravens, I mean, he's he's a, you know... <laughs> Total blitzkrieg. I mean, scorched yeah. earth, scorched earth with Wink Martindale. So um, Bob Radkowski's offense coordinator, and he hits a couple of plays against the blitz, and then they start pounding the ball, run the ball. Wink Martindale in the in the second half stopped blitzing. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Wink is not blitzing. I mean, if they can somehow run him out of the blitz or, you know, hit him with a couple of big plays, make him think twice about it, that's going to be a big key in this football game. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I just think it's going to be really hard. At the end of the day, you got to cover T. Higgins now and Jamar Chase and Boyd. I mean, that's – I mean, you run those guys out there. Look, I was talking to another group earlier today, and I was talking about this particular game, thinking, okay, with the backup quarterbacks, is it going to be, you know, a low-scoring game? Minnesota's coming off of a 3 nothing victory out in Las Vegas. They were terrible offensively, but they're going to get Justin Jefferson back. Right. And I mean, when you put these athletes out on the field and they are so good, Dave, I mean, they are ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's always the potential for, you know, one of these, you know, blow up games where everybody's scoring 30 points and the Bengals have done that two weeks in a row. I, I, I don't see it like a 30 to 27 game. I think it's more like a 27, 24 game. And maybe it comes down to a last series field goal by either one of these two teams. But I think that the Bengals have a real advantage here going against Nick Mullins. I, I think he's a decent player. I think he's a good backup. I don't necessarily know that if Jake Browning and the offense have been percolating the last two weeks, if they are able to do that, I don't think even with Justin Jefferson that they can match them. Very interesting, Boomer. I like it. I like the sounds of that. I know you're a busy man. I know you got a million things going on. For you to visit and, and join us is uh... – is much appreciated, sir. I can't thank you enough. It's Christmas and it's in the trenches with Dave Lapham. It doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks so much, as always. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and yours, Boomer. You're the best. Thanks, brother. Love you, man. See ya. See ya, Boomer.
Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team. Opportunity knocking.